0: This is The Guardian.
1: I'm Gabrielle Jackson, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is the full story. The newsroom edition is taking a break this week. Instead, we're bringing you an episode from Today in Focus about the murder of transgender teenager Brianna Jai. This is a case that has captured the world's attention as we try to understand how this could have happened. Last Friday, the pair of 16-year-old teenagers who committed the murder were named for the first time in a UK court. Scarlett Jenkinson, who was described by the judge as the driving force behind the murder, was sentenced to a minimum of 22 years, and Eddie Ratcliffe was given 20 years. In this episode, you'll hear from The Guardian's North England editor, Helen Pidd, on how she covered the case and watched the evidence unfold in the courtroom you'll also hear how Brianna's mother is determined to ensure her daughter's death will not be in vain. It's an episode that contains some confronting issues, so please take care while listening. Here's Brianna's mother, Esther Jai.
2: She was absolutely full of life. She was such a
1: character. She
2: was um, she was really, really outgoing and... Um, and she just she loved attention. She loved to be on TikTok. She loved having all of the likes that she used to receive. And um, she was just she was like life and soul of the party, really. Um, everybody knew Brianna, and um, anybody who ever met Brianna would would they would never forget her.
3: Brianna Jai was just sixteen when she was killed. Despite her anxiety and her struggling at times in her adolescence, she was outgoing and she was popular. She had a whole life ahead of her.
2: Good times don't have to cost anything, and the, the, the best times are the times when you're just completely relaxed and yeah, it's just thinking of her at home and popping pop in her head in a little fluffy pink pyjamas. You gotta say, Mum! <laughs> yeah, mum, can we have a Domino's pizza? And yeah, it's just, just being at home and being with her And because she, she was such a home bird and it, this is why it was so difficult because she was just always there, she was always at home. When I came home, she would be home.
3: Brianna's mum, Esther Jai, is determined to try and find a way to channel her grief. She's petitioning for a change in law to ensure child safety online. And, as she told the BBC's Laura Kunzberg, she holds compassion, not hate, towards the parents of Brianna's killers.
2: I think that I would like to say that um, if she did want to contact me and she does want to speak, then I'm, I'm open to that. Um, I'd like to understand more how like how their life was and what they, they went through and I also want her to know that I don't blame her for what her child's done and I also want her to know that it, I understand how difficult being a parent is in this current current day and age with technology and, and phones and um, the internet and how hard it is to actually monitor what your child is on um, see her, if she ever wants to speak to me, I am, I'm here. The families
3: involved have had their lives ripped apart. Where do they go from here? And can anything be learned from Brianna's death? From The Guardian, I'm Nashi Nikbal. Today in Focus, the murder of Brianna Jai. Helen Pidd, you're North of England editor at The Guardian and you've been covering the murder of teenager Brianna Jai. It's a really harrowing and unusual case. But can you begin with the day it happened, back on the 11th of February last year? So the first information that came out
4: was that a 16-year-old girl had been stabbed to death in Culcheth Linear Park, which is a park built on an old railway line in Warrington. Emergency services
3: attended, but the 16-year-old was pronounced dead at the scene. A post-mortem examination is taking place to establish the exact cause of death. The
4: initial statement that the police put out simply said that they were appealing for witnesses, anybody who would have been there at the time. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon when Brianna was killed, the park was fairly busy, they knew there would have been lots of families there and people walking their dogs.
2: It's a well-known dog walking spot, we know that, we know it's popular with families. I'd ask for anyone who was in the area between around about half past one in the afternoon and four p.m. to contact us in relation to that.
4: And then we learned that two teenagers had been arrested and were being questioned on suspicion of murder. And as soon as we learned that Brianna was trans, of course the big question was, was she killed for being trans and was this a hate crime motivated by transphobia? Very quickly, within 48 hours of Brianna being killed, Cheshire police came out and said, at this time we have no information to suggest that this was a hate crime.
3: And what was the reaction locally and nationally?
4: Well, locally people were horrified. It's obviously terrifying when any murder happens, particularly when it's a young person, and particularly when it was a girl. Once it emerged that Brianna was transgender, her murder became not just a point of sadness locally, but nationally and even internationally.
2: A lot of you might already know about this. Like it's been on Facebook, ITV News, BBC, everything. It's currently going viral. We want to get justice for what happened to Brie. Because it wasn't right. She was taken innocently for no reason.
4: I think what really stands out for me in my memory is just the outpouring of grief and sadness that there was for Brianna, not just within her own community, within her school in Warrington, but also much further afield. There were people in New York, in Canada, in the Far East, who were making videos online, expressing their sadness, their grief, their anger. And people were really suspicious with the police and wondering why they were so quick to say that they didn't think it was a hate crime.
3: Can you tell me more about what the police said and did in their investigation? How did it proceed over the coming weeks and months?
4: So... Initially, after
3: the murder, they put out
4: an appeal for witnesses, anybody who was in the park at the time. And quickly, a lot of people came forward, and lots of people saw the two teenage suspects in the park, including people who actually knew them. So identity was not really at play um, fairly early on, and within 24 hours, they knew that Scarlett Jenkinson and Eddie Radcliffe were the two teenagers who had been seen meeting Brianna off the bus and then walking to the park with her. There was also CCTV of the pair of them walking home, just the two of them with no Brianna. So the two of them were taken into custody 24 hours after the murder, and they both had different stories.
3: And in the trial of Scarlett Jenkinson and Eddie Ratcliffe, who have only been known as Girl X and Boy Y until last Friday, it started at the end of November last year at Manchester Crown Court. You were there for nearly every day of the trial. Can you tell me what it was like?
4: Yeah, court two at Manchester Crown Court, it was a pretty tense place to be. My seat had a fairly good view of the bulletproof dock where Scarlett Jenkinson and Eddie Ratcliffe were sitting. They weren't sat right next to each other. They had trained intermediaries sitting either side of them who were there to make sure that both of the children understood the court process and were able to participate in it. It was quite noticeable that neither Scarlett nor Eddie ever looked at each other, and they certainly didn't say anything to each other, not least because Eddie has actually been diagnosed with selective mutism since he was charged with the murder and hasn't spoken a word to anybody apart from his mum. And there were also um, security guards in the dock with them, and... The judge and the barristers involved in proceedings took great care to make sure that they were tailoring their language so that both Eddie and Scarlett understood what was going on. They referred to them always by their first names in court rather than Mr Radcliffe, Miss Jenkinson, which is what they might have done if they were adults. So a lot of accommodations for them both.
3: And so as the court heard the evidence, what did you learn about how they planned Brianna's murder?
4: So Brianna wasn't actually the first person that Eddie Ratcliffe and Scarlett Jenkinson discussed killing. They had a sort of informal kill list of, of other children that they disliked for various different reasons. The others were all boys. They settled on Brianna, it seems, because they had some kind of cack-handed attempt to lure one of the, other, one of the boys out to the park and using a fake social media profile, and he didn't bite. And they said, oh, well, let's, let's just do the same plan, but we'll do it for Brianna. It will be easier. They originally wanted to kill Brianna two weeks earlier than they actually did. They had it all set up. It was the same plan, same location, same park. But at the last minute, Brianna contacted Scarlett Jenkins and said, oh, sorry, I can't come because she had to go to a family meal. And there are messages where Scarlett says she's so pissed off about this, you know, that all the fun has been ruined. But nonetheless, Eddie and Scarlett on that particular day, they still met up and they still went to Culture Linear Park. There's videos of them messing around at the park and... The detectives who were investigating the case came to view this as something of a dry run for the murder itself. So after that aborted attempt, Scarlett Jenkinson hand-wrote a plan for how they were going to
3: murder Brianna. So literally wrote it out in her own handwriting?
4: Yeah, yeah, and it was headlined Victim-Brianna Jai. It had the date and it had the location. It said that they were going to meet her off the bus at Cultured Library. They were going to walk to the Linear Park It detailed who was going to stab her and where. So really quite chilling level of detail. I remember when we saw this in court and we saw her just tiny childlike handwriting. There was just something that was just so chilling about that. She handwrote this plan. She took a picture of the plan and she texted it to Eddie. So this is how the jury could have been in no doubt that they were both in on the plan and both of them knew exactly what they were going to do.
3: What about the conversations they had about Brianna? What did we learn about their interest in her from those?
4: So Scarlett Jenkinson only met Brianna a few months before the murder when she was transferred to Birchwood High School, where Brianna was a pupil. Um, She'd been asked to leave her previous school after bringing um, cannabis edibles into school and giving them to younger pupils. So she transferred to Brianna's school and they became friends, apparently Scarlett said, because she complimented Brianna on her eyeliner. So, it was Scarlett who introduced Brianna into the conversations. Eddie actually didn't meet Brianna at all until the day of the murder. And in December, so a couple of months before the murder, Scarlett texted Eddie and said, I'm obsessed over someone I know but don't have feelings for them. She's called Brianna. I don't know how to explain. So, Eddie only met Brianna for the first time on the day of the murder. But while he and Scarlett were planning the killing, he repeatedly referred to Brianna not as she but as it. And when he gave evidence, he insisted he wasn't transphobic. But um, the language that he used was was certainly transphobic and very dehumanising. Scarlett, on the other hand, almost always referred to Brianna as she. There's times when there's one message where she says to Eddie, oh, she's prettier than me, that bitch. Um, And when she gave evidence, she said she thought Brianna was really pretty. She was actually attracted to her, she said.
3: Helen, having pored through the details of this case and of Brianna's life, Did you learn any new information in court?
4: Yeah, I think perhaps I had some preconceptions about what teenage murderers would be like and what their backgrounds would be like. But we learnt when they gave evidence about their family backgrounds, about their siblings. So Eddie, for example, his mum, who was in court every single day, she's worked as a ski instructor and a graphic designer and his dad was a manager at a truck company. And Scarlett's mum was a secondary school teacher and her dad runs a plastering and building business. Some of Scarlett's brothers used to come to court. She's got three big brothers. Eddie is the middle child of of three. We learned that they were both fairly conscientious at school. Eddie was considered very clever in particular. He loved science. And even since his arrest, uh, when he's been held in a secure children's home, he studied for his GCSEs and he managed to pass eight. And he's doing four A-levels, sort of teaching himself really from the unit at the moment. So they're clearly very high-functioning and, and, and intelligent young people. And that made it sort of all the more baffling and incomprehensible how, they, how and why they would do something like this.
3: And Helen, what, what about the relationship between Scarlett and Eddie themselves? What did we learn about them?
4: Before the trial started, um, a lot of people who didn't know the situation wrongly assumed that Eddie Ratcliffe and Scarlett Jenkinson were boyfriend and girlfriend, that it was some sort of twisted plot by two lovers. But it, it wasn't. And both of them, when they gave evidence, said that they were just friends. So they'd met when they were in year seven, when they were just 11, at Coulchard High School in Warrington. And... It wasn't a sort of instant friendship. Scarlett described their relationship initially as frenemies, so they were like friends but also enemies, and she said Eddie was weird, and Eddie said, well, she was weird, and that she was always saying weird stuff. There was one bit that really sticks in my mind where he said, well, in Year 8 she used to go around claiming that she was a Satanist, and she seemed to revel in saying kind of outrageous things and nonetheless they became firm friends a lot of their friendship was conducted online they lived about five miles apart from each other so after school they would communicate on whatsapp they used to play video games together and from the age of about 14 they started discussing what Scarlett's barrister referred to as dark materials and she told the jury that she developed this interest in watching videos of torture and murder online aged 14 and that she'd worked out how to download a special browser onto her phone to access the dark web and she boasted to eddie that she liked going in these so-called red rooms where you could watch real so well, apparently real murders and real torture taking place
3: that sounds really dark i mean didn't no one else notice that she had these interests or obsessions at the time
4: There seemed to be particularly two sides to Scarlett Jenkinson. There was a Scarlett Jenkinson who was pretty quiet at school and used to hang around in the inclusion room, which is where she was often found with Brianna at at school. Um, She said she didn't socialise much. She had this boyfriend who we can't name, who was a year older than her, went to the local sixth form college and Eddie told police that Scarlett was absolutely obsessed with this boyfriend to the extent that she carved his name on her arm uh, with a knife and that, I mean, Brianna wasn't the only child that these two teenagers talked about killing. There were actually at least four other children who they discussed in quite detail murdering, and two of them were boys who Scarlett had taken against because she said that they'd been mean to her boyfriend and therefore they deserved death. Eddie as well. Eddie's obsession mostly seemed to be focused on a girl that he fancied at school who was known in court simply by the letter A. And throughout their messages, there are thousands of messages that the police recovered between Eddie and Scarlett, where they're discussing murder techniques, the best ways of killing people. Throughout these conversations, there's also Eddie just being obsessed with this girl, asking Scarlett for love advice. When should he ask her out? And it was just the sort of banality of, of those sorts of questions mixed in with this murderous chat, which would have been pretty sick. In itself, but the fact that we know that they actually went on to to murder Brianna makes it just completely chilling.
3: Helen, in the end, the jury was out for just over four hours. Can you tell me about when they came back and delivered their verdict?
4: although I think those of us who'd sat through all of the evidence thought that it was very likely that both teenagers would be found guilty. You know, the stakes are just so high in any murder case, particularly involving such young people. So we were all sort of collectively holding our breath, really, when the jury filed in and the the judge's clerk asked if the jury had reached verdict on which they were unanimous. And the four men stood up and said, yes, they had. And They actually spoke very quietly. It was kind of weird. We couldn't hear the verdicts at first, and nor could Eddie and Scarlett, so they had to be delivered twice. And I was trying to look in the dock and see if either of the teenagers were reacting at all. They didn't, as far as I can see. But their parents were in bits in the court, crying. I mean, just just horrendous.
3: And what about Brianna's mum? How did she respond?
4: There was this moment after the convictions, just before Christmas, when she walked out of court to be confronted with a wall of photographers and microphones. And she gave this incredibly powerful and moving statement where she urged compassion and empathy for the parents of the teenagers who'd taken her daughter's life and said that they'd lost a child too.
2: Brianna was larger than life. She was funny, witty and fearless. We miss Brianna so much and our house feels empty without her laughter. To know how scared my usually fearless child must have been when she was alone in that park with someone that she called her friend will haunt me forever. Please have some empathy and compassion for the families of the young people convicted of this horrific crime. They too have lost a child. And they must live the rest of their lives knowing what their child has done. My family and I request some healing space for the next few weeks. However, I will be back at the end of January to continue my campaigning for better mental health support for young people and their families. Thank you.
3: Helen, just before Scarlett Jenkinson and Eddie Ratcliffe were due to be sentenced last Friday, we heard new reports about what Scarlett was saying had happened. Can you tell me more?
4: Yeah, it was quite a moment in court. We heard that there had been a new psychiatric report commissioned by Scarlett's legal team. And it turned out that Scarlett was completely changing her story. And she had told a psychiatrist that she had, in fact, Um, carried out the murder that she was responsible for at least some of the stab wounds she said that she had enjoyed it and this was a real about turn because the entire time including during the trial she insisted that she hadn't actually taken part in the killing and that it was Eddie who was responsible for the stab wounds and she also gave some sort of insight into potentially her motives and she said that she killed Brianna because she thought Brianna was her friend but that one day Brianna was going to leave her and therefore if she killed her Brianna would somehow be with her always. It was deeply shocking to hear that in court.
3: What sentence did the judge impose?
4: Very long sentences for children. Scarlett Jenkinson was sentenced to a minimum of 22 years and Eddie Ratcliffe, 20 years. Um, They both got life sentences, although children don't officially get life sentences, they're called sentences at His Majesty's Pleasure. Um, And the judge told them that if they were adults, those minimum terms would be much higher. I've rarely heard of children this young getting such long sentences. Both of them were only 15 when they carried out this murder last year.
3: Well, what did Justice Yip say about her decision?
4: Well, she told them that they had both taken part in what she said was a brutal and planned murder, which was sadistic in its nature.
1: This was undoubtedly a very serious offence with multiple aggravating factors. That is the context in which I impose minimum terms which are lengthy for offenders of your age, albeit significantly less than an equivalent sentence for an adult. And what
4: I found very interesting is that she said there was a secondary motive at play, which she said was hostility towards Brianna because of her transgender identity.
1: Your messages about Brianna were transphobic. You consistently referred to her in a way that was dehumanising... Calling her it. And Helen, that's significant
3: because up until this point, Brianna's death has been quite politicised. And I wonder if you could tell me more about that and the significance of what the judge has now said.
4: Very quickly after Brianna was murdered last February, Cheshire police caused quite a lot of controversy by saying they had no information to suggest that Brianna's murder was motivated by transphobia. A lot of people found that very difficult to believe. And then once the trial started and we heard details of thousands of messages that were shared between Scarlett and Eddie... And that anger only built once the trial started and we heard all of the messages that were shared between Scarlett and Eddie and particularly the language that Eddie used to describe Brianna. He always referred to her as it rather than she. He called her a femboy thing and he discussed wanting to know if she would scream like a man or a girl and said he just really wanted to see what size dick that she had. And that was clearly transphobic language, but that wasn't framed as such for the jury. So it was quite a moment that the judge came out on the record and said that that language was transphobic and that the murder was partially motivated by a hatred of Brianna's transgender identity.
3: It does feel like, I mean, quite aside from that, that there's been this really ugly, prurient sideshow running alongside this case. It says something about our culture, our appetite for outrage. Did you get a sense of that as you were reporting it, as the months went on?
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know if it's the rise of true crime documentaries. I mean, the Daily Mail was actually running a a daily, almost daily podcast about this case that kind of makes everybody feel like they are also detectives and that they know more than the police or that they have extra information that the jury's not listening to. So people were commenting all over the place and often getting in trouble with the judge actually by... Passing their own sort of judgment on what was really going on here.
3: Coming up, how Brianna Jai's death has been politicised and what we can learn about how it's been covered. Helen, alongside the intense publicity around this case, there was also this huge clamour to name the perpetrators, something that isn't normal in cases where the defendants are minors. The judge did agree to it, and it's why we've been able to name them throughout this episode so far. But why did she lift the usual restrictions to allow their names to become public?
4: Yeah, she decided to lift the restrictions because they would have fallen away anyway when both um, Eddie and Scarlett turned 18. And she felt that there was significant public interest in this case. And not just interest as in, oh, it's interesting, but also she felt that there was a real need in society to try to understand how two apparently fairly normal, stable teenagers could commit such a crime. And she felt that by allowing full reporting, including photos and the names of these young people, we might be able to get to the bottom of why on earth they committed such a brutal murder
3: but what does the public gain what 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 can we understand knowing the identities and the pictures and who their families are at this stage
4: yeah i feel quite uneasy to be honest about the naming of of young people i think if you believe in rehabilitation which i definitely do then it can only be hampered by two young people being branded as murderers and they are murderers we don't need to you know we don't need to sugarcoat that but if you know if we hope that one day they're going to be able to be released and not be a danger to society it's not going to be helpful if their photos are all over the internet you know if you look at what happened in the James Bulger case in the 90s John Venables and Robert Thompson in Liverpool they had to be given entirely new identities when they were released because there were genuine fears that they would be hunted down and potentially potentially killed Mm. so does the public learn anything I suppose it means that we can report a bit more fully about what happened at the in terms of these two young people at their school the fact that 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 Scarlett went to school with Brianna and that she only turned up at Brianna's school after getting in trouble at her old school so it allows us to fill in a few blanks in the story is it really necessary or is it mostly just feeding our desire to kind of name and shame I'm not
3: sure Helen, how will Scarlett Jenkinson and Eddie Ratcliffe be serving their sentences?
4: So ever since their arrest, both Scarlett and Eddie have been kept in separate secure children's homes and they will stay there until they are 18, at which point they will transfer to the adult estate. You know, these t- two young people are going to be in their late 30s, at the very earliest when they're released. Um, so they've got a long stretch ahead of them in the prison system.
3: Ellen, do you think there is anything that could have been done differently? Is there any sense at the end of all of this that Brianna's murder could have been prevented?
4: I've thought about this a lot and the conclusion I've come to is probably not. During the trial, I was sat very near Eddie's parents and I was looking at them trying to work out what might be going through their minds and I'm sure they're racking their brains thinking, is there anything we could have done? I suppose theoretically they could have looked at his phone Scarlett's parents could have looked at her phone and if they had, they would have found these horrendous messages and, you know, maybe maybe, maybe, maybe they would have taken them seriously and nipped it in the bud Apart from that, there were no outward signs that these were two children who were going to commit a terrible terrible murder. Although Scarlett had been in trouble and had been suspended from her previous school for this incident involving cannabis edibles. It wasn't like she'd brought a knife into school. It's not like she had a history with violence. And yes, some of her school friends have since come out and say, oh, she used to say loads of sick things. Let's be honest, a lot of teenagers say some sick, stupid things. And it doesn't mean that that is going to translate into real life violence.
3: And one of the things that's really stayed with me in this case is actually Brianna's mum and the response that she's had to... Brianna's killing, which is a lot of compassion, so much dignity and a response to the killers and their parents. Can you tell me more about what she said and how she'd like Brianna to be remembered?
4: Yeah, I think Esther Jai is an incredibly dignified and compassionate person. There was a victim impact statement read on her behalf um, in court at the sentencing. And she said that her motivation was to want to help to make society a safer place. And that she wanted something good to come out of this murder.
2: So I'd like to see mobile phone companies take more responsibility. Um, it's, it's so difficult for parents now to, um, to safeguard their children, which we'd like our families and parents to back and sign. We'd like a law introduced so that there um, are mobile phones that are only suitable for, un- for under-16s. Mm-hmm. So if you're over 16, you can have an adult phone, but then under the age of 16, you can have a, a children's phone, which will not have all of the social media apps that are, that are out there now. Um, and also to um, have software that's automatically downloaded on a parent's phone, which links the children's phone, mm-hmm. um, and it can highlight keywords. Yeah, and,
4: so and ever since a- Brianna was killed... Esther has been raising money. She's raised over £50,000 now for mindfulness training in schools and she really believes that young people need time to sort of take a breath and to think through their feelings and what they want to do. So she's raising money for that. And along with Brianna's head teacher, Emma Mills, she's set up a community interest company called Peace and Mind, which is all about spreading the word of mindfulness and empathy and compassion and understanding. And this week in Parliament, her local MP Charlotte Nichols is going to start a debate on the issue. She's absolutely determined that Brianna's death cannot be in vain and that something positive must come out of something so dreadful.
3: Helen, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. That was Helen Pidd. The Guardian's North of England editor. You can follow her reporting of this case and more all at theguardian.com. That's it for today. I'm Naseen Iqbal, and this episode was produced by Lucy Hoff. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com work. Shopify.com work.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free